0: to be here with you today. We kind of got a little different format today. I got to be with the traditional service for the first part and then right over here, and it's nice to see you all this morning. You know, uh, we got some ushers coming up the aisles with Bibles right now. We read and learn from the Bible together every week, and we're talking about some really important passages today, as we always do, and I'd love for you to be able to find those passages for yourselves. We'll give you page numbers to make that easy and uh, learn and read these passages together. If you've been a part of our church over the course of the last, you know, few months or a year, and if you're not, I'll catch you up here real soon, we have been part of a journey together called According to Luke, and we've been reading the life story of Jesus, kind of the biography of Jesus in one of the Gospels of the New Testament that's called The Gospel According to Luke, and we've been doing this in order to learn Jesus' life story, to learn who and what, who Jesus is and what he was like, and and to learn what sort of life we're being called into when Jesus says, come, follow me. And it occurred to me in preparation for this week that it was about a year ago, just about a year ago, right around this time of year, that Pastor Angie and I were talking and began to just sort of dream up what eventually became this journey. And I remember the conversation that we had about, you know, what are the things that, that our church community really needs to know, uh, understand, experience? What, what do we need to share together that we could continue to grow as a community of grace together? What are the things that we would need to continue to grow as a, as a community following Jesus together? And so as we thought about some of the themes from Jesus' story, we thought, for example, about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and what that means in Jesus' life and ours. And we talked about that. We learned about that together in the month of October this last fall. And we also thought about that dynamic of brokenness and transformation that is characteristic of the Christian life and of Christian communities. And we learned about that in January. And and I remember thinking specifically about how helpful it would be to learn something kind of historical and contextual about the Pharisees. Maybe you remember from last week how we talked about the Pharisees and what they taught us about Jesus. And I remember also, in particular, that we identified, and from the gospel according to Luke, honestly, more prominently than others, but but pervasively throughout the New Testament, how we needed to learn about the really prominent role that is played by women among the disciples of Jesus and in various roles and leadership roles in the history of the earliest Christian church in the New Testament. It's about a year ago today that we were talking about that. And man, a lot has happened in the last year. I, I did not know a year ago that I, would ha, that I would learn the hashtag Me Too and the Time's Up movement within the last year. Culture has moved on these things, right? In, many, in ways that maybe we wish we wouldn't have had to learn, but we did have to learn. And there have been famous names and stories that have rocked us as story after story after story, thousands upon thousands. As we've learned about the misuse and the abuse of power, usually by men. In entertainment, in business leadership, in the highest political offices, and unfortunately in the church too. Did you know there's a, the there's a hashtag MeToo? There's a church too hashtag. And man, that ought to break our hearts. It breaks our hearts in so many different ways. And we could spend lots of time talking about all these still anonymous, still unknown, maybe smaller, maybe not, acts of misuse and abuse of power, of gender inequality and discrimination in so many facets of our lives. Suffice it to say that we are struggling with this as a culture right now. Suffice it to say that we are struggling. And although I have in my past been accused of being an incurable optimist, I am not super optimistic that this is going away anytime soon. I just don't think looking around the world and looking back in world history that there's a lot of reason to think that this struggle is going to be over anytime soon. And even in the church, we don't have, our hands are not clean. We have a very checkered history on our contributions to gender equality or inequality in the past. And what I would like to do today, though, is offer a word of hope and a word of equipping in the midst of all this context. Because I think as Christians who follow Jesus, who are learning his story and learning to follow him together, we have some particular resources that offer us, that offer us hope and offer us the opportunity to do better. And so my goal for today is to share with you, honestly, just a very small selection of passages from the story of Jesus and from the New Testament, a little bit more broadly, that give us guidance in this. And then at the end of the message, to offer a word of specific challenge and encouragement to us as men and women together in Christian community. So let me ask you if you'd begin with me, please, just in one little short passage in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. It's a short little passage that I think is often overlooked. Honestly, my mind kind of goes to this example often right away when we think about this topic, but it's a short little passage that I think may be unfamiliar to many. It's Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and it's on page 1513 of your Quest Bibles. All right, Luke says that Jesus traveled about... From one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This is is what Jesus did. He went around telling people this good news. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Many of Jesus' followers, men and women, had had these powerful encounters with him and became his followers. Included among them, there was Mary, called Magdalene, because she's from the town of Magdala, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Shuza, the manager of King Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. And these women were helping to support them out of their own means. Let me just ask you a question. I I think if I had asked you all just a moment ago to form a mental picture of Jesus and his disciples, and, and you could somehow project that picture from your brain onto a little screen, I would guess that for most of us, probably very many of us, Everybody or nearly everybody in that picture of Jesus and his disciples would have been men, right? They would have been all males wearing their bathrobes and having their long hair and whatever other picture that you picture when you picture that, right? And I think what this little window into the history of Jesus' life shows us is that that picture, frankly, needs some modification. That we have imagined it to be one way when, in fact, there was more to the story and more to the picture than we realized, And the gospel stories, frankly, are full of other little stories like this that are easy to miss the importance of when they're taken individually. This very Mary Magdalene, who's in this story, becomes the very first proclaimer of the good news that Jesus is raised from the dead. You know, the gospel stories of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written to tell you about the living Jesus who'd been raised from the dead. No resurrection, no gospels at all. And so Mary becomes the first one to say this. She holds like a hero's position in these stories. I'm reminded of this other character, a woman whose name we do not know, who encountered Jesus in a story we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, who becomes the very first proclaimer of the news of Jesus and teacher of his message to a whole new people group, to the country, to the people of the Samaritans. And she, having a checkered story of her own, probably knew the doubts that she would encounter and yet went off courageously to do this very thing there's lots of stories like this i'd like to draw your attention to one in particular that has played an important role in my own autobiography and my own story so please if you would open your bibles or bible apps to the book of acts chapter 18 we're going to read acts 18 24 through 26 it's on page 16:26 of our quest bibles if that makes it easier for you to find we are going to read the story of two people a woman named priscilla and her husband aquila and their encounter with an early Jewish Christian teacher, leader, whose name was Apollos. Here's what Acts tells us about this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a Jewish Christian, a native of Alexandria, which was a leading city in Egypt, came to Ephesus, which was a leading city in Turkey in the Roman Empire. Now, he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John, right? So he knew a lot. He'd been very well educated, but there were some things he didn't know and still needed help with he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and they explained to him the way of God more adequately, more than he already had, more fully, some translations say. Now, first of all, you should know that in first century literature, and Jewish Christian religion, really in any first century literature, it's very uncommon for the name of a woman to come before the name of a man when they were doing the same thing. It would have been Aquila and Priscilla. This indicates to us that she was likely to have kind of been the lead partner in this endeavor. At the very least, we can conclude that she was in no ways the inferior partner. They were at least equals in this work. You may also know that there are other passages in the Bible, in the New Testament even, that would give us the impression that what Priscilla was doing, she ought not to have been doing. There are other passages in the Bible that tell us that it is not a woman's place to teach or lead or preach in the church. And those passages were influential on my own view of the relationship between men and women and leadership in the church up to about 20 years ago or so. There continue to be teachers, popular writers in the church today who continue to think that. And then in my own life, I met Priscilla, and I realized I was wrong, and I had to change my mind. And I had to learn some things that I had not learned before. And I wish that the teachers and popular writers in the Christian church today who continue to say those things would also realize that they are wrong, and that they need to learn from Priscilla also. And in this way, she became my teacher 20 years ago. And I am grateful for her. And in fact, I'm looking forward to meeting her in heaven someday and shaking her hand and saying, thank you for what you taught me. As I look back over these very few passages that I've talked with you about and others, there was one thing that really impressed itself upon me in my reading of these passages this time around in preparation to share with you today. And that is how unremarkably these passages say what they have to say. They're so matter-of-fact about it. They're so calm about it. This is revolutionary content, but the passages tell this revolutionary news so unremarkably. Why are they so unself-aware of how revolutionary they are? Why is that? I have an idea about that. And to share it with you, I want to take you back to one more story that I think helps make this point. Turn back with me to the Gospel of Luke again. In chapter 10 this time, it's Luke 10, 38 to 42, and it's on page 1522 of your Quest Bibles. This is the story of Martha and Mary and Jesus. If you have been a Christian for any length of time, you may be familiar with this story, though perhaps not for the same reasons that I want to share with you today. Let me read this story to you, Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples, and remember in Luke 8, two chapters earlier, we learned that these were not only male disciples, but men and women together. They were on their way traveling around, right? They came to a village named Bethany, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, Martha did, and she asked the Lord, she asked Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So you can understand and sympathize with the situation, right? There's Martha. She's in the kitchen preparing wonderful acts of hospitality for this party that has descended on her home. Many of us would find ourselves in exactly the same position. And there's Mary, a sister of Martha, who could have been helping her, precisely not helping her. Rather, sitting out there at the feet of Jesus and, Jesus, and Martha comes to Jesus and says, you should tell Mary to do what she's supposed to do and help me. And Jesus says, nope, because <laughs> Mary is doing exactly what she's supposed to do, and I'm not going to stop her. And so what is it that Mary is doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary is doing exactly what every student of every rabbi, what every apprentice of every master did. They sat at the feet of their rabbi. They learned to speak as he spoke, to do as the rabbi did, to become as the rabbi became. But there were no other rabbis around for a century Israel who had any female disciples. This was only Jesus who did this, right? And Jesus says Mary is doing exactly what she's supposed to do. And then why are there not a couple more verses in that chapter? Why is there not a verse 43 in that chapter that says, and thereby Jesus said that women were the equals of men, and thereby Jesus empowered women and men to be his disciples together? Why, why not? I think it's because while that is very important, while that is revolutionary in its own context. And here is both the danger and the blessing of how unself-conscious these passages are. On the one hand, we may take them for granted, and when we face similar challenges of discrimination or inequality in our own context, we may not remember the resources that we have. We may, but when we do remember, this is the blessing of how unremarkable they are, we will not miss the point of the passages themselves. See, I don't think that the point of the passage is that Mary will become like Peter or James or John or Bartholomew or anybody else who's sitting there. Mary's not supposed to become like Peter any more than Peter is supposed to become like Mary. The ultimate goal is not the equality of the two of them, that they would become like each other. Where inequality remains, equality is definitely a goal. But I think the goal is not that either one would become like the other, but that both of them would become more like Jesus himself. And that was the goal, that we would be discipled and apprenticed to the master, right? And then when that finally dawned on me, it dawned on me further that I had learned this lesson once before, that another woman in my life had taught me this years ago, and it was my mom. (laughs) Moms never underestimate the importance of what you do. This is what my mother taught me. I think I was a teenager, maybe. I can remember where we were, but I can't exactly remember the circumstances. And this is what my mom said to me. She said, you know, it has always seemed to me that women who want to be the equals of men are aiming too low, (laughs) low, right? And this, lest you misunderstand me, is not because men are actually lower than women any more than women are lower than men. It's just that the goal is not for you to become like somebody else. It's not that we're supposed to be like anybody else, model ourselves after their style, wish we had their gifts, do exactly, except for Jesus. The goal is for all of us to become more like Christ together, right? All right, if that's the goal, for all of us to grow up in the community of Christ together in the way that God has made each of us, then let me say something directly to each of us, to all of us as men and women. Gentlemen, brethren, (laughs) friends, all right? I have... (laughs) Here's here's the truth. We continue to occupy positions of more power and privilege and influence in our society and in the world than men do. This is not right. It is simply real. And we have some very helpful instruction in the Bible on what to do when we find ourselves in positions like this, be we men or women. And I want to direct your attention to probably the most central passage on this topic. It is from the book of Philippians chapter 2. You can turn here with me if you would like. It's on page... 1722 of your quest bibles open up your bible apps read this philippians 2 5 through 8 all right let me read this to you paul wrote to the ancient philippian christians in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus okay that'll work for the rest of your life you got enough to do now right okay now he says what that means have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in very nature god Jesus, who had the ultimate position of power and advantage, chose not to use that position for his own advantage, but laid his advantages aside for the sake of others. Have that mindset among yourselves. How does that apply in this specific context? Frankly, probably in a thousand ways, but let me just try to go for a couple simple ones. Listen. <laughs> Listen to the women in your lives. Listen to the women in your families, in your homes, in your friendships, in your neighborhood, to your female colleagues, to the women who sit across the leadership table from you. Listen, learn from them. We do plenty of talking, we do plenty of talking over. Listen and learn, because they know things you don't, because they've had experiences you don't, because they have perspectives you don't. Do some listening, learn. Trust what they have to say, their gifts, their perspective, their wisdom, and collaborate, cooperate. We got a whole bunch of work to do together, and we need all of us to do it, right? And I fear, I know that sometimes men, and maybe it's men and women both, fear that somehow an increase in equality between men and women will mean the subtraction of men. It will mean the reduction or the emasculation or the wimpification (laughs) of men and boys. And if this is what we think, I think we have another think coming, right? Is it somehow unmanly to exercise courage and sacrifice and humility in community together? If so, we have more of Jesus' life to read about than we have read about so far if it seems somehow unmanly to us that we would need to collaborate and work and fight together alongside our brothers and sisters in the Christian fight for all that is good and against all that steals life from this world, then I think we may need to have our vision rehabilitated by Jesus himself. It is not like we need fewer laborers in the harvest of God. It is not like we need fewer soldiers. We need each other, right? So man up, take your cross, and follow Jesus, all right? Women, as I thought about this moment right now, I thought a couple things to myself. I thought, first of all, there's no way that I can just have preached a message about how the goal is not for any one of us to be like the other, but for all of us to advance in discipleship to Jesus together, and then I could not do anything other than identify the same passage. I couldn't say, it's actually a different standard for you. It's actually a different message. It has to be the same, and yet... That's the first thing I did. The second thing is, as I said, listen, learn, I went and talked to some of my female colleagues, to Pastor Angie, other women I know, other friends, other relationships. And I said, help me understand your perspective on this. And one of the things that it gave me to think was, while this passage absolutely applies to all of us, I think it might apply because of our different stories and histories in men's and women's contexts a little bit differently. Because, frankly, I think many of you women have been doing this a little bit more than we have already. Setting aside your own position for the sake of somebody else, laying aside your own gifts and callings, laying aside your own advantages and interests in order to advance the agenda of somebody else. And so, while I will never stand in front of any group of Christians and say that you should stop the way of sacrificial love in Jesus. I will never say that you should stop taking up your cross and follow, that you should love your neighbor as yourself, that you should look to the interests of others instead of your own. That is exactly what it means to follow Jesus. I will say that I think that might apply differently in your context. The sacrifice you make might be different. You might be sacrificing some kind of comfort. You might be sacrificing some kind of familiarity. You might be sacrificing some sort of pattern that would allow you to see Mary Magdalene as an example, that she would go and do courageously what God had called her to do, though she knew that everybody would say, you're a woman, what do you know about that? We can't trust you. Or the example of the woman, the unnamed woman who went to the people of the Samaritans and said, do you know about Jesus? Let me tell you, in spite of her life story that gave those people plenty of reason to doubt, she courageously went anyway. Or maybe the story of Mary and all those anonymous women and men who were sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him simply to speak as he spoke, to do as he did, to be as he was in whatever set of life circumstances God has gifted you and called you into, whether that's in a church, in a family, in a workplace, in a whatever. Because here's the deal, women and men, we need you. We all need each other. This community needs every gift and every empowerment of the Holy Spirit that God has given us to be the people that God has called us to be, to do the work that God has called us to do for the sake of the world. And we have not always, we have often not as the church led in this way, but we have an opportunity, all of us, to sit down here at the feet of the master and to learn from him and to be sent out to do what we do. Now, I told you already at the beginning of the message that I'm not optimistic about the struggle going away anytime soon, right? We are empowered by the Spirit for this. We are led by Jesus for this. But we're going to need him to do it in our hearts and in our community. So while we give our efforts to this, let's give our hearts to God in prayer for this together right now. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We confess to you that we have not done well at this, that we have experienced brokenness, that we have done this wrong. And frankly, we've done it wrong in more ways than we've even had time to talk about or time to imagine. We confess that we are broken in this. And you are gracious and you come to us and you forgive us for spoiling what good things you have made. And you fill us with your spirit and call us forward. And I pray for us as a community. I pray for us as men and women both that we would see you, Lord Jesus, as the vision for our life, that we would learn to speak as you spoke, do as you did, and be as you were, and be as you continue to be, as you are, by the living presence, by your living presence in our lives. And I pray you would forgive your church for the ways that we have messed this up, that you would empower us by your spirit to be a, a word of hope, that you would give us the particular leadership and the particular gifts that you have given to your church to contribute in your way, in your grace, in your power, to the struggle that our larger world is in the midst of. Lord, please knit us together. Both men and women convince us neither one is ever inferior to the other. We don't need a backseat to the other. We all look to the interests of others. We all outdo one another in service to one another and to you. Lord, lead us, empower us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.